Love means never having to say you're sorry. Remember that really stupid movie that that was so dumb? Yeah, did you try that in your mom? <laughs> you ever try that in your mom? When she said, say you're sorry, you had better say, I'm sorry. <laughs> she meant it when she said, yeah. Love doesn't exactly mean that. There are, there are many expressions of love. Uh, mother's love, which of course we celebrate today. Friendship love. Romantic love. Oh, mine disappeared. <laughs> Not the romantic love, but the person. Uh, sorry. <laughs> A little confusion there. Uh, and men, yeah, okay, <clears throat> here's the truth. We don't really get love, especially romantic love. I don't know if you've noticed that. And some are very cynical about it. I found some quotes, like I said earlier, you may have heard some of these. Love is an ocean of emotions entirely surrounded by expenses. <laughs> yeah. Love is like the measles. We all have to go through it. <laughs> I don't know. There's questions about love. My favorite is, if love is blind, why is lingerie so popular? <laughs> Just wondering. There's these warnings about love. Some women love only what they can hold in their arms. Others only what they can't. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, here's the, the ultimately confused man. This is, you have to hear this. To love is to suffer. To avoid suffering, one must not love. But then one suffers from not loving. Therefore, to love is to suffer. Not to love is to suffer. To suffer is to suffer. To be happy is to love. To be happy then is to suffer. But suffering makes one unhappy. Therefore, to be unhappy, one must love. Or love to suffer. Or suffer from too much happiness. <laughs> Yeah, I think Woody Allen was probably one of the most confused people on the face of the planet. <laughs> ah, yes. And if these people had read the scriptures more closely, or at all, they might have understood. An Indian government official, this is amazing, I have no idea how to say his name, so I'm going to skip it. He seemed to understand. It is easy to hate, and it is difficult to love. This is how the whole scheme of things works. All good things are difficult to achieve, and bad things are very easy to get. Wow. If he had added, in this world, he would have been perfectly correct. But is this true with moms? Do they maybe love better? Uh, some guys don't like to think too deeply. <laughs> so they say things like, the most remarkable thing about my mother is that for 30 years she served the family nothing but leftovers. The original meal has never been found. <laughs> I understand that one. Yeah, we have a lot of kids. Uh, humor is a wonderful tool. It's kind of disarming. But, but sometimes, on, like on Mother's Day, yeah, it's better to say it straight out. I love you, Mom. Say the thing straight out, okay? And we do love our moms. Elizabeth Browning was correct when she said, love doesn't make the world go around. Love is what makes the ride worthwhile. Wow, isn't that good? I like that one. And most moms are pretty good at making the ride worthwhile. Uh, my mom, in fact, she loved to say, getting there is half the fun. That was her thing. She'd also say another thing when she'd give us our food. You see, with ten kids, she got a little sloppy with her 
presentation of food, uh, everything would run together. Ooh, I can't take that. The gravy would run into the salad, and which lay over the fried chicken, which was soaking in the cream corn, which was mixing with the gravy. Oh, it used to drive me crazy. And I'd make this face, and she'd look at me and say, it all ends up in the same place anyway. So it wasn't until I grew up years later, I realized what I should have said, yes, but getting there is half the fun. (laughs) I missed that chance, but... Anyway, a mom's love is a great expression of love, but you, but, but we gotta understand, there's only one love. Love is singular. Many expressions, but really only one love. And I'd like to take a look at love as the Bible describes it, but as expressed by moms. I hope you like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. My dad was quiet, hardly spoke uh, at all. We have a son like that. Hard to get words out of him. Very quiet guy. Good. But... And it, it will probably not surprise you to find out that my mom was a woman of many words. <laughs> many words. As a matter of fact, if I didn't know she loved me, you know that clanging gong or or noisy gong or clanging cymbal, yeah, that would have been a fair description of my mom at times. And, and yep, mom had no shortage of things to say. And, yeah, you're right. I had to get it from somewhere, didn't I? <laughs> oh, well. Mom didn't use a wide variety of words, just a lot of them. Uh, and she confused them all the time. We'd get in fights. Well, you know, ten kids. We'd get in fights sometimes. And she'd say, it takes two to tangle. Okay, the quotes actually it takes two to tango, but okay, you know. And and it took me years to get borrow and loan right. Uh, I used to say, will you borrow me your X, whatever it was. And people say, do you mean you would like to borrow? And I'd say, what? Well, see, that's how my mom said, said, you know, would you borrow me? That's how she said it. So that's how I said it. And I was, I was going to say when I first put this together that my love for precision in text, I, I love precise text. I was going to say it had to have come straight from God because obviously I didn't get it from my mom. And my dad didn't say enough for me to figure it out. But, but, it, but I'm thinking now if my mom hadn't been so uh, uh, careless with her use of the English language, I, I wouldn't have cared at all maybe. So see, maybe I did get it from my mom. It works out. <laughs> maybe the long way around, but yeah, no, it works. Anyway, and moms are forced to use a lot of verbiage with their kids, you know, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and no, do I said, I said, no, I said, no, don't, 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 you know, you, you've heard it, right? <laughs> That's, they gotta do that. But when, when they love us, and we know it, it doesn't seem like noise. Uh, even when the words are badly formed, they have meaning, and there's a purpose, and we're glad for them. Well, okay, eventually we're glad. And if I had prophetic powers and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith so I could remove mountains but I have not love, I'm nothing. Now who wasn't amazed at their mom when she seemed to know things that are impossible to know? I mean, you've heard the expression, I think my mom has eyes in the back of her head, right? Where do you think that comes from? In my case, it was like the the great ice cream incident. I don't know if you know this. I, I was what was called a good kid. I, I was boring. 
Uh, I didn't know that it was actually possible to do wrong. <laughs> I mean, if it was wrong, then you couldn't do it. That's um, my understanding. Uh, but a great temptation arose. Across from my grade school was a fast food restaurant that served ice cream cones. Chocolate dip ice cream cones. Oh, And one day a friend told me that I could buy one with my lunch money. What? And he said, you know, you'd even have money left over. And it was just too much to me and I succumbed. No lunch. Within minutes of getting home, my mom says, what did they serve for lunch today? I mean, I'm caught, you know, what, what can I say? I, I mumbled around and then finally she attacked the great sin directly. You had ice cream. You had a ice cream cone instead of lunch, didn't you? Oh, I was amazed. I was, how did you know? You know, I figured somebody must have told her. She must have an informant at the ice cream cone place. I mean, you know, she's a spy. And I, as soon as I bought the ice cream cone, they must have called her. But she said, oh, a little birdie told me. She had the strangest knowing, you know, superior smile on her face. You know, I, was, I wonder if it was God. Hey, Mrs. Henderson, your kid just bought an ice cream cone. Yeah, I, did God speak to her directly? Well, I said I was sorry and I promised never to do it again. And I, I kept the promise. But I always wondered, how, how did she know? And it was years before... I probably realized that what gave me away was the chocolate and ice cream stains on my shirt. Uh, it hadn't occurred to me at the time. <laughs> kind of obvious, but... And moms do seem to have amazing powers, but that's, that's not what we remember them for. It's not their prophetic powers and their understanding of mysteries or their amazing knowledge. It is their consistency in love for us. That's what we remember. And moms do sacrifice to love us. If I give away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Milton Berle had a, he had a very good point when he said, if evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? <laughs> There's something to that. There's a lot of work to get done. Uh, and many women to do that work of mothering, they give up careers. Uh, they give up financial freedom to serve as mothers. And, yeah, it's true that having a child does a number on a woman's body. And that's to, to say nothing of birthing a child. <laughs> having one around. But good families don't mind giving up their time to serve their families. Good moms will do that because they love them. Love is the thing that enables a woman to smile when her little boy walks in and announces that he's been working just like Dad as he walks across the floor with his muddy boots just like Dad. <laughs> Describing love, though, is a difficult task. You know, where do you begin? And I've always been amazed at the, at, at the start of Paul's description of love. The very first word he chooses. But when you look at it from the expression of a mother's love, it makes perfect sense. Love is patient. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's perfect. And it's impossible to be a parent 
to parent at all well without patience. Uh, James Thurber, a lady of 47 who has been married 27 years and has six children, knows what love really is and once described it to me like this, love is what you've been through with somebody. (laughs) You have to get through trouble. You have to have patience. And that's where a mom's love starts. And Paul goes on, and kind. Kindness and patience go together. Kind does what is good for a child. Nice does what feels good for a child. Now, here's the question then. How much patience does a mother have to need when she wants to express her love and kindness by saying, no, you cannot have chocolate chip cookies before dinner? See, they go right together. you got to have the patience with the kindness. And there are some things that loving moms avoid. Love does not envy. I'm sure you've heard moms that aren't exactly exercising love when they say something like, why can't you be like the Smith kids? Funny, I never heard, why can't you be like the Henderson kids? I'm not sure why. But in any event, uh, (laughs) envy is an ugly thing. And it's destructive to love. And of course, destructive to children. Uh, Much better is it when a mother reflects the love of God who says, I love you until you become what I know you can be. You have the mirror of envy. It's a perfect mirror of it to boast. When a mom boasts, her love is like those second-rate hotels where all the luxury is in the lobby. <laughs> yeah. She only loves when people can see it, when she can show off her kids. You see, it's not just hurtful to the one that she's boasting to. It's hurtful to the child. They know that if they fail to be doing something that she can brag about, that they're not going to be in her favor any longer. It's only when they can be boasted about that they are loved, or feel loved. And so what happens when they do fail? A love that boasts is not an unconditional love. Love is not arrogant. I have a, a brother, he's a doctor. And he got straight A's in doctor school in, in Arrogance 101, Arrogance 102, and Arrogance 103. I mean, he. <laughs> Their first child was the perfect compliant child. She said everything they wanted. She learned everything they wanted. She's pretty. She's polite. Uh, she's intelligent. And she's just an overall wonderful person. She really is. And now she has a doctorate from Johns Hopkins. And has given them a grandson who, and if you thought about it, you'd have guessed it, is named after both grandfathers. <laughs> Camden Warren. You got both, both dad's first names. She's the perfect kid. And when she was little, my brother was happy to tell everyone how proper parenting should be done. Just look at what I've done. Uh, you know, he thought he'd made her like that. But God has a sense of humor. <laughs> and about five or six years later, they had her brother. <laughs> the kid, he barely passed kindergarten, I swear. I, he never did school. <laughs> All the way through school, he just struggled. Uh, he loved to fight with his parents. 
Uh, the best way to control him was to tell him that you didn't want him to do whatever you wanted him to do because then there was more chance of getting it done. <sighs> Nothing his dad tried worked. Nothing. And the arrogance that he had about parenting made his son look all the worse because if his dad was really such a great parent, why is he as bad as he is? It was, a, it was trouble. And I, I love my niece and I, I, I lot, but I think I love my nephew more. <laughs> he is a great kid. He's in his 30s now. And out of the pain of the disappointment that he thought he was to his parents, fortunately he's discovered that's new. But as he grew up, he thought that. But he's forged a life of his own. He's doing really well. He's doing great. Great kid. But it, but it's been a struggle in throughout his life for him to get close to his sister. Even though she's great and he's great, they had this conflict that was inadvertently caused by arrogance in their childhood that had to be overcome. And don't misunderstand, my brother loves his son and his daughter both. But, but since he doesn't base his life on God's Word, he was an easy prey for arrogance. And arrogance has a partner. Love is not rude. I love that saying, courtesy is the lubricant that keeps the machine called family running smoothly. Oh, beautiful. It's not like Groucho Marx. He said, send two dozen Rosens to room 424 and put, Emily, I love you, on the back of the bill. <laughs> yeah, not like that. Uh, and some of you may have witnessed that horrible thing, a rude mother. And it has a devastating effect on children as year after year of rudeness grinds away at their character. Fortunately, rude mothers are rare. And, and everybody uses it sometimes. We're not talking about that or we'd all be in trouble. We're, we're just saying, we're, we're really talking about a lifestyle. A lifestyle of it. All that we've talked about so far, all everything we've talked about love, all relates to this central point. If you don't know, this is the central point of this verse. It's arranged literarily this way. It does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. Self-sacrifice is the hallmark of good, loving mothering. Or, or fathering, or friendship, or, or any relationship of any kind. Self-sacrifice is also a part of the nature of God. And all true love, like that of a good mom, has this at its core. This is the center. And just because a mom insists on some things doesn't mean that she's insisting on her own way. Uh, Buddy Hackett claims, my mother's menu consisted of two choices. Take it or leave it. <laughs> that doesn't mean she wasn't a loving mother. And uh, now we've got to get to that one that I have to confess many mothers stumble over, particularly when they have small children or adolescents or teens. It is not irritable. <laughs> you got to admit, it can be pretty tough not to be irritated after 12 hours of wrangling kids. You know, day after day after day, our daughter homeschools and teaches in the school that they go to and then has them at night and then ah ah thank you that I never had to do that God I appreciate it greatly it's kind of like that Rita Rudner said 
I love being married. It's so great to find one special person that you want to annoy for the rest of your life. <laughs> it's a lot like that in this. And, uh, it does seem like kids live so that they can be an annoyance to their mothers. That's their life's work. And I think any mother that manages to avoid irritation for 24 hours ought to thank God for giving her so strong a love that she could actually love her children like that. It's interesting, when irritation has, uh, shall we call it, too long of a shelf life, it turns into resentment. And love is not irritable or resentful. And think, think about this. Peter DeVries said, A suburban mother's role is to deliver children obstetrically once and by car forever after. <laughs> now, if a mom lets herself be irritated with the day-to-day grind of life, too often she will become resentful. Now, how can anyone love properly when they are resentful of the sacrifices they have to make to express their love? We all, with every mother need to carefully monitor ourselves and watch out for irritation. It can so easily grow into resentment. We're commanded to love one another. And and frankly, that's, that's a stopper. Now, every mother knows that love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. I mean, how many fights have they had to quell, you know? Mothers know that animosity damages a child's spirit. How much lying has strained mother-child relationships? And the real reason, I mean, it makes the relationship difficult, but the lying stains the child's soul. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. One of my sisters ran a daycare, and she had this particularly troublesome little boy. I mean, he always had to rule the roost. He was trying to boss everybody. In fact... He almost never even bothered with her or the other adults, uh, preferring to take matters into his own hands, as it were. So when he ran up to her one day, teacher, teacher, you know, she's kind of pleased, and so she kneels down to talk to him. She says, yes, Troy. And he says, Tommy, hit me back. Ah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I mean, what are you going to say? He did tell the truth, but, but truth, as Paul uses here, it's not about, it's not about just the absence of falsehood, it's actually about true living. Uh, Mothers rejoice when their children live in truth. But it does does make you realize the need of what Paul says next. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Paul uses this beautiful little chiasm, bears and endures, uh, believes and hopes, to show the importance of the attitude of love. You know, that, that underlying, deep down desire for the good of the one you love. A mother bears many things, endures tremendous things, because she believes in and hopes for her child. Listen to this statement. I love you as you are, but do not tell me how that is. <laughs> I love you, I don't really want to know everything about what you are. Love can endure much of what we really are because of the faith and hope that knows what we can be. People often say, love is blind. And it does sometimes seem like mothers can't see what everybody else sees about their kid. (laughs) 
But actually, love sees quite clearly. Well beyond the present, questionable, (laughs) behavior to what the one who loves believes this person can be. To the place they hope for this child. And finally, true godly love never ends. (laughs) Kind of like Agatha Christie. I don't know if you've heard this. She said, an archaeologist is the best husband any woman can have. The older she gets, the more interested he is in her. <laughs> her husband was an archaeologist. Love is endless. But the word that's translated ends here could also mean love never fails. <laughs> Charles Schultz wrote, nothing takes the taste out of peanut butter quite like unrequited love. <laughs> ah, you got to love his stuff. Children need to know that a mom's love for them is not temporary and is not conditional. There's a a surety and a permanence in love because God is eternal and He never changes. And God is love. And when mothers love as God intended, there's an assurance that this love will be and will be forever. Do you know where Paul started with this, the reason he's writing this whole thing in love? Uh, There were these questions about speaking in tongues and proclaiming prophecies and, and having divinely given knowledge. People were bragging about what God had given them in these areas. So he launched into what really is love then? And he goes back to that problem. He says, as for prophecies, they'll pass away. As for tongues, that ability to just speak languages, yeah, it's going to cease. As for knowledge, it's divine knowledge. How do you know that? God just told me. That's going to go away too. It'll pass away. Every language that some mother uses to whisper love to her child has meaning. But one day, all those languages will meld into one. All that special knowledge (laughs) that mothers somehow have and need to love their kids will no longer be necessary. We'll have all the knowledge we need. Now Paul shows us why this is true as he changes direction and talks about how love affects us. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. Right now it is true that there's no way to be a perfect mother and a million ways to be a good one. But one day, mothers will be perfect. And, and all of us. The very nature of our love will finally be perfect. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. It's wonderful to have children around. I like Groucho Marx. He once said, my mother loved children. She would have given anything if I had been one. (laughs) Uh, You know, we want our kids to be kids. But there's also some truth in what Eric Fromm said. The mother-child relationship is paradoxical and in a sense, tragic. It requires the most intense love on the mother's side, yet this very love must help the child grow away from the mother and to become fully independent. In this life, we don't stay children. (laughs) And it can take counseling to get over a mother who didn't want her children to grow up. But this growing up is barely a hint of the wonder that's to come. 
For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. The mirrors they had then were like, what would be like looking at yourself in the fender of a shiny car? I mean, not great. You can, you can't, you, dim. We don't get a good clear view, but then we're actually going to see clearly. But we still have to get there. <laughs> we got to get there. Uh, Henry Ward Beecher, the mother's heart is the child's schoolroom. That's where they learn love. And mothers can teach wonderfully about God and His love. But all we know in this life is limited. And this life is not all there is. <laughs> there will be a day when we will see God. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I have been fully known. One day, we'll go home. <laughs>